Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On today's show, we talk about a big hire for Georgetown University. Patrick Ewing leaving the Hornets. Good for him. And special guest Stephanie Reddy, NBA game analyst for the Charlotte Hornets, joining us to talk about this critical game against the Washington Wizards. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Tuesday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day. Whenever you need it, I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend. We're both a little tired, David Walker. Anybody's tired, Doug, that stayed up to watch that game and only lasted about three and a half hours. So what did you think? I'm not complaining. No, totally. No, and and listen, I even stayed up for one shining moment. Uh, You have to. It's 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 something of uh, a rite of passage or some, some some somewhat of a tradition. Yeah, you have to you see what see what's going on. So listen, where we are, we have to admit we are both heels fans. So yes. we're a little biased. We obviously enjoyed that ending. Um, but what did you think of oh. the game in general? Oh my god, it was a disaster. It was excruciating. Yeah. It was it was horrible. It was painful experience. Um, I mean, the refereeing was way too much a part of it, obviously. And it was just shot that at times it didn't feel like there was a basketball game going on. Doug, I mean, the stoppages, um, you know, there was no flow. I, you felt for all the guys out there that they, they couldn't get a grasp on the game at all. Yeah. I mean, couldn't get a flow, couldn't get a rhythm. I mean, all of the shots were, they were not just missing. They were badly missing. Mm. Uh, I thought the heels looked comfortable at the very beginning. And then I thought they yeah. looked a little too comfortable, uh, didn't have the, the we're, we're not matching the energy and intensity of Gonzaga, and then yeah, in the second half, uh, the refereeing was un- un- it was unbelievable. It really I, was I mean, listen, if if they can't fix college officiating after that, after something like that happens in your biggest showcase, then I don't know I don't know what what would cause them to fix it. Well, they'll probably look at the ratings, I guess, right? And then they'll look at all the money they made. And then they'll oh, be like, yeah. ah, we'll well, I, for- I forgot burger. about the stacks and stacks of cash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's crazy, though, is like the, the, the talk was, um, and I guess you know people were trying to just figure it out, like a lot, everyone watching was like, what is going on with these refs? It's, it's like these two teams have, uh, the problem was they had too many tall guys, apparently. They, they just they couldn't figure out how to officiate a game with uh, that many tall guys. So I think that is a problem. they, they got to figure that out. It's I think that Karnuski, that's, a, that's an intimidating guy. That's the kind of guy you find in a, in a biker bar. And you just have to you like slowly look up as you, tur- you turn around and you just do the slow look up. You're like, oh, my. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I'll say this, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get off this and let everyone just breathe it in. But uh, for, like as as from watching Carolina, you don't often see a game where they just uh, gut it out. You know what I mean? Not to say they haven't won tough games before, but that was going to be a game where the, mm-hmm. the, whoever won was just going to have to make a couple more plays and 
and make it happen. And like Joel Berry, I thought did that a lot. And they just made plays down the stretch. And Villanova, our oh my God, look at that Villanova duck. I'm flashing back already. We did this podcast last year. It was year. traumatic. This was a better version. It really was. And I thought Chris Jenkins over there behind the bench was going to be some sort of curse, but I guess he was a good luck charm. Uh, well. It was again. It was it was an excruciating game, but it was a fun ending for Heels fans. Uh, we've got a fantastic show. Uh, yeah. Stephanie Reddy is going to join us, NBA game analyst for the Charlotte Hornets and Fox uh, Sports Southeast. We'll be here in just a bit to talk about. We'll talk about Patrick Ewing. We'll, we're going to talk about this game to tonight against the Wizards and just uh, the Hornets and their playoff push in general. So stick around for that. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, the NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Uh, Let's start, David, with the news announced yesterday. Hornets associate head coach Patrick Ewing will be the next head coach of the Georgetown men's basketball program. He will not serve out the year with the Hornets. Instead, according to Yahoo's Adrian Wojnarowski, he'll opt to leave immediately and begin the process process of building out his staff. Uh, David, first, your reaction to Ewing getting the call from Georgetown, uh, finally getting that uh, coveted head coaching position. Yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, it's really cool. I think he's obviously served on several benches, uh, what, in like 15 years in the NBA? 15 years, Um, yeah, served under Jeff Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, and then now Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford. Yeah, it's just a shame. I think it's it's unfortunate that he didn't get that shot in the NBA, to be honest, Doug. I mean, um, I think it's awesome. It's a cool story for him going back to Georgetown. And I do think all of the concerns that you're hearing coming out are are valid to some extent. I mean, college coaching is <laughs> is a lot more than just, you know, showing up on game day and practices. It's recruiting. It's dealing with these 18, 19-year-old, 20 kids. It's, um, you know, it's a lot more headache, I guess, that he's never – He's never been a, a, on a college staff, right? I, I think, like but, uh, you. But not for as long as he's been in the NBA. So I'm, I'm super happy for him. I just wish he could have gotten that shot in the NBA. And um, I, I hope it works out. I hope he's I hope he's back on the NBA level because I think that's ultimately where he wants to be, don't you? Because he could have had this shot, it feels like, a couple of times along the way. Yeah, I think so. I think he really, he really wanted – I mean, he interviewed for the Sacramento job uh, last summer. So yeah, I think definitely the NBA is where he because he's you know he served under coaches that are all about the NBA. I mean the Van Gundys are NBA coaches. The you know Steve Clifford has spent uh, almost his entire career in the NBA. Uh, so but he will get that long-awaited chance to be top dog. But as you said, David, it's not going to be an easy road. Ben Standig uh, of Locked On Warriors discussed this on on a show last week. Let's take a listen. They only have eight players right now on scholarship, and we don't know for sure if all those guys are going to come back. There's still some rumblings. Some guys could leave. Patrick Ewing is talking about this, uh, getting more assistance. We'll see what kind of staff he puts together. He needs guys who know the AAU circuit, the recruiting world, to help him where he doesn't know. Maybe he can deal with the X's and O's at a good level, but that other part of the world is is a mystery. And look, I, the fact that Patrick Ewing stayed as an assistant, that's a grind to, to be to be part of an NBA team like that, Patrick Ewing, with all the money he made in his career in the NBA, he could have just lived out his life and on the beach and been happy. But he wanted to get into coaching, and 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 good for that. Thrilled for him. Like I said, I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things about him in the in that role. 
But going out on the road and, and recruiting is 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 a grind of a different order. You have to essentially kiss the ass of a bunch of sixteen year olds and their families to get you to get them to come. That's not the same thing as taking charter plane from New York to Charlotte to Utah. That's not fun necessarily either, but it's a different type of deal. You're in your own world. You kind of know what you have to do. That's different. Mid standing of Locked On Wizards uh, talking about Patrick Ewing getting the call for Georgetown, and, and he makes a good point. I mean, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult on the Hornets as well, David, because they are in the middle of a playoff push, five games remaining. Every game counts at this moment in time as they sit one game back of that eighth and final spot for the playoffs, and they lose their associate head coach. Now, in a statement released by the team, Steve Clifford said that this would be a big loss for the staff, but that he's thrilled for Ewing to start the next chapter in his coaching career. And according to the reports from Wojnarowski, Clifford sort of gave his blessing for Ewing to leave early and uh, you know, put that staff together. So obviously, there's there's no, um, you know, there's no animosity there. But at the same time, it's 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 bound to impact the Hornets in some way, in some measure. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, um, for sure. Yeah, you, anytime you lose somebody who's been that integral on the team, uh, on the staff, it's going to have some effect. I think you feel like these guys are pros, though, and certainly Clifford. Um, it'll be interesting to see who maybe he taps. That that feels like something that we'll probably wait till the offseason, though. I guess, especially. Hopefully more than five games to play, but um, five games scheduled as of right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you, you have to think it won't it won't affect them a ton. It's not like Clifford leaving, right? Um, so hopefully these guys are locked in at this point. One quick question: Are you surprised that um, Stan Van Gundy didn't kind of break this news? He's he's been really uh, he's been seems to have the ear of the horse locker. He needs he needs one of those like old timey <laughs> reporter hats and you know feather cap. Like, jeez. Van Gundy trying to <laughs> trying to secure his place on Yahoo Sports on the vertical. It's amazing, yeah. And it's I'm all saying, been Hornet. The, the, the hilarious thing it's all been Hornets news. Yeah, we got to find the leakers. Good. We got to find the leakers. Who are the leakers? Sad, sad. Uh, what do you think? Though? I mean, it's 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 impactful, but I'm sure they're more happy uh, for him than anything, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah. again, 15 years of service as a, a, an you, assistant coach. And, yeah. and every, it's not like he didn't have the references. I mean, I these, these coaching elite are standing up for Patrick Ewing. And, and uh, our good friend Adi Joseph and others have written about, uh, about a little bit of bias amongst mm-hmm. executives in terms of big men versus point guards. I mean, look at New York. They hired Derek Fisher and, and, and who had just retired, yeah. had zero coaching experience over Patrick Ewing, who had been on the bench for a decade. Yeah, I mean, guys keep getting recycled. Um, you know, Chris Barnwell wrote a good piece on At the Hive. I listened to some other guys. Kurt Rambis has been a, had a job a couple times. Um, you know, so it doesn't, add up i mean obviously there's some sense of i don't know like attitude or something or whatever i don't know just bizarre certainly there's guys with attitude that have been head coaches before though so um maybe it's the big guy thing you know i mean that's another theory Um, and he's and and i'll be interested to see who he gets obviously uh, they may look within to to replace the associate head coach role but I'll be interested to see who they bring in in terms of big man mm-hmm. development into the Charlotte Hornets because I think Patrick Ewing has been key 
to the development of Cody Zeller, to the development of Frank Kaminsky. I mean, these are players that uh, that he's worked with one-on-one, practice after practice, and the Hornets have seen dividends. That's the thing. You know, we talked a lot about this when Mike Mark Price left, how much he had worked with Kimball Walker and how much he had worked with uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist to improve their shooting. Well, Patrick Ewing's done the same thing for the big man rotation that has seen, um, you know, Cody Zeller's had a career year. Frank Kaminsky improved tremendously. So I think the Hornets yep. will have to do uh, some some really hard work to replace what Patrick Ewing, that expertise that he brought to the Hornets. Yeah, do you think this is a, 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 a possibility of a Ewing theory coming into play? Are you familiar with the Ewing theory? I am familiar with it. I am okay. familiar with it, but I, I, I don't think so. You don't so. feel like you subscribe to it. No, why? Well, well, at least I hope not. Uh, well, double jinxies, knock on wood. I mean, if they make the playoffs, it'll certainly be uh, in contention. That's, well, all right, Bill, okay. Mr. Just- Simmons. <laughs> now time to get to our guest on the Locked On Hornets line. You hear her every broadcast on Fox Sports Southeast of the Charlotte Hornets. The one, the only, Stephanie Reddy. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. Sure. All right, let's start with uh, the news about Patrick Ewing, associate head coach, uh, heading to Georgetown to take the head coaching job. How do you think, this is a, a especially a good question to ask to you as a, as a former coach, how do you think this will impact the Hornets as they move into this critical stretch? It will hugely impact them. Um, Patrick Ewing, I mean, he has the title of associate head coach for a reason. You know, he is... Coach Clifford's right-hand man, he is relied upon heavily for strategy, for game preparation, for player development. Um, He has his hand in everything that the Hornets do. And I am personally just thrilled for him to get this head coaching opportunity, especially at his alma mater. But the Hornets will miss him for sure. Now, the good news is that Coach Clifford has assembled a terrific staff. And we talk about this throughout the season, how good all of those assistant coaches are. Um, and they know Coach Clifford well enough and and the system well enough that hopefully they'll be able to pick up the slack, if you will, (laughs) when Coach Ewing leaves. Absolutely, and they will need to because five games remaining, they sit one game out of eighth place in the Eastern Conference, but the Hornets are playing much better uh, since the All-Star break. Do you think that the Hornets are getting back to what made them successful at the beginning of the season when they began 8-3, and three, or have they found a new way to win? You know what? I think it's, it's precisely a combination of those two things. Mm-hmm. I think they've definitely gotten back to playing that style of basketball that found them success, the style that they knew they were going to have to play the way the roster was built. Um, and that is really focused on defense, you know, not turning the basketball over, not fouling the opponent, sharing the basketball, playing unselfishly, but also having a lot of weapons to choose from offensively. And that's what you've seen happen here lately. The bench has really flourished. And um, I think the new gear that they found is Frank Kaminsky, Marco Bellinelli. These guys coming off the bench, they've shown that they can put up 20 or more points any given night, and that just makes it so much more challenging for the opponent. And we've heard a lot of talk about Frank Kaminsky and and gaining a newfound confidence since uh, that Western Conference road trip earlier in the season. How has that translated to what you've seen out on the court from Frank Kaminsky? What kind of boost is he giving this team right now? Oh, my goodness. So many things. Um, Frank Kaminsky, we've always known he's a very skilled player, um, a smart basketball player, but he is a young player. And I think people often overlook that. And it's not 
age, it's, it's experience in the NBA. The game is completely different. And when you're a player that has the skill set that Frank Kaminsky has at his size, it takes a little longer sometimes for you to feel comfortable and that confidence that we keep talking about. And so in year two, he figured out that, okay, yes, I have the ability. Yes, I can score 20 or more points. But how can I take it to the next level? And it's the preparation, it's the studying, the film work, the knowledge of your opponent, understanding what you can do when defenses give you different looks, how you can exploit that. And that's where you're seeing Frank Kaminsky evolve right now. He's figured out where those gaps are, where the vulnerable places are in the opponent's defense to step into that open spot to hit the three or to roll into that open spot where the defense has a hole to get the basket in the paint. Um, You're seeing him set really good screens now for his teammates that are perfectly timed, and it helps the offense just execute that much better. Speaking of perfectly timed screens, um, Kimball Walker is taking advantage of those screens to rack up three-point shots since the All-Star break. He's doing it a lot in that high horns set with some combination of Marvin, Cody, and Frank. What makes the way that the Hornets execute that set so difficult to guard for some teams? Well, the number one thing you're right is the timing of the screens. Um, you know, I think every NBA team does run some variation of that horn set that you described. Um, but it's the timing of the players, the bigs, because what happens defensively is it's your job when it's your man that's setting the screen to alert your teammate that it's coming. So if the Hornets bigs players can time it and get the angle perfectly, then there is not enough time for them to warn their point guard. And Kemba Walker is just so good with the basketball. It's not just his ability to have excellent dribbling maneuvering. It's his his pace, how he can go from slow to fast and fast to slow to trip up a defender. Um, He can sell that he's going one way and then quickly change direction and go the other way. And now that he has developed a terrific, very consistent three-point shot, they can't cheat defensively. And that had always been the angle that you could play a Kemba Walker. You could sag a little bit and allow him to shoot that long distance three because it wasn't very consistent. Well, now he's one of the better shooters in the league. You can't cheat anymore. And so that enables the bigs to set a good solid screen. The Hornets play the Wizards tonight in Washington. We, we are a big fan on this show of your uh, creative keys to the game. Uh, so do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> we love them. Uh, do you have one locked and Thank loaded? You. Uh, for tonight? I actually do. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. You know, we have a lot of fun on our show, as you guys know. Um, I've been really fortunate to work with Del Curry and Eric Collins for these last two seasons, and and we all have a ball and still can't believe that we're getting paid to do this gig. Um, But my key for tonight's game is power play. Um, And there's a lot of ways you can interpret that, and I don't think I should give it away. My producer doesn't like it when I give out the keys too early, so... That's a little tease for you. Just Excellent. keep in mind where we are. It's We're a good, in D.C. It's a good tease. Yeah, it's a business <laughs> term. It's called a tease, people. So make sure to watch tonight. Uh, listen, if Dell needs one, I know you're in D.C. I know uh, mixing politics and sports is dangerous sometimes. But if you want, if uh, Dell wants to tie in some current events, you can go with don't let John Wall filibuster. Get the ball out of his ah. hands. That may be my key. Very good. I like that. See, you're you're right there, right on the same train of thinking. All right. I like that. <laughs> Let's talk about some uh, Steve Clifford buzzwords. Uh, th- there's some things that he says, you know, throughout the, the seasons that we've picked up on, and I want to get your take on what these words mean. Uh, one one yeah, of them I that call we them Cliffordisms. 
Yeah, the Cliffordisms. Yeah, exactly. One of them, yeah. uh, the, probably the most popular one, is purpose of play. What does Steve Clifford mean when he <laughs> says purpose of play? Basically, when you have a strategy, whether it's offense, defense, transition, whatever it is, you have to execute that. So, like we were just talking about with that horns play, if you are a big Frank Kaminsky, Cody Zeller, Marvin Williams, and you're coming to set a screen on Kemba Walker's man, you can't just saunter up to him. You know, you have to have the right angle. So if you're playing with the purpose of play, you're going to sprint to the, to the position. You're going to make sure your body's at the right angle. You're going to hold it for the right amount of time. And then you're going to do exactly what's required of you based on what the defense is showing you. You're either going to hard roll. You're going to pop to the open spot. So that would be purpose of play. Sometimes you see players, and it's at all levels, where they just don't set solid screens. They don't have good hard basket cuts. You know, they're kind of just walking, going through the motions. That's not playing with the purpose. What about organization? He talks a lot about organization on offense. What does he mean by organization? He wants you to be where you're supposed to be. Everyone, especially this time of year, you're supposed to know the play and you're supposed to know it from multiple positions. So if you're on the wing and you're supposed to cut through the lane and set a screen on the other side and then pop back out to get another screen at the top, then you better do it. And you better do it at the right place at the right time. And sometimes, oftentimes, it takes a little chatter. You often hear me talk about that on the air. I want to hear some chatter. I want to hear some talking. Because it takes a lot of communication to stay organized on both sides of the ball. Love it. All right, last question here. This is a little bit of a philosophical one, but it has a lot to do not only with tonight against the Wizards, but when they come back home against the Miami Heat uh, for – I'm sure what will be a rocking crowd in Spectrum Center. You know, some of our listeners were a little upset uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago when the Hornets embarked on this improbable playoff push, feeling like the team should turn their focus to the offseason and the draft. But obviously, these players and coaches, they are uber competitors. They're paid to win basketball games. But why do you think a strong finish is especially important for this Hornets team? You're building a culture, you know, I mean, as a player and as a coach, what you just described is what you want to see competitiveness. That's why you're out there. That's why you play the game. That's why you always play the game. I don't care what level it is. You want to win the game. So to me, I've always been opposed to the tanking philosophy. I just don't like it. You know, I understand the strategy of it, but even though you might be strategizing to get a better pick. It's never guaranteed, first of all, where the pick will be. And secondly, how that player will end up. We all know that. It is not a science, the NBA draft. Um, So I am a firm believer in establishing a winning culture because that transcends your roster. The roster gets turned over all the time. You have trades, you have injuries, you have free agency. But what you need to establish is what they have in San Antonio. They have a culture. They win games. They play the right way. Great insight. Amazing detail about the game. That's what we're all about here on Locked on Hornets, and that's what you can expect from Stephanie Reddy and the rest of the crew on uh, Fox Sports. Thanks so much for joining us, Stephanie, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Hopefully we're talking about the playoffs here in, in a couple of weeks. Exactly. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And again, if you want to win two tickets, two free tickets to see the Hornets take on the heat in the Spectrum Center on Wednesday, visit us on Instagram at LockedOnHornets for details on how to enter and win. And great seats still available for both the game against the Heat and the Celtics. Visit Hornets.com for more information. And thanks again to Stephanie Reddy for sharing her insight. 
Uh, let's talk about this Wizards game coming up tonight. The Hornets are one and two against the Wizards this season. They won their last matchup back on March 18th, 98 to 93. It was that win that really began the current playoff push they find themselves in. Kimba Walker and Frank Kaminsky combined for 19 points in the fourth quarter to propel the team over the finish line of a game that saw 13 lead changes. David, I'm not going to ask you how critical this game is. We know how critical this game is, um, but how difficult will it be for the Hornets to get this victory over Washington in Washington? Yeah, I mean, but more difficult than winning an OKC on a, on a Sunday matinee. True, you know, they've won their difficult. last two roadies. Yeah, I mean, more difficult than you know some of the other games they've won as of late. So, I mean, right now, it's not even about how difficult the challenge is. It's just about how well these guys are going to come out and play. And really, I think the shooting has been uh, huge as of late. Um, and guys like Frank Kaminsky, who was on a bit of a Twitter rant yesterday, uh, by the way, I don't know if you saw that. Oh my God, I did. Let's talk. Well, let's talk about yeah, it. Let's, let's Frank, listen, it. It, I think it displays confidence. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. He so if you haven't seen this, uh, Frank Kaminsky on Twitter. But even before getting into it with Dan Dockich, oh, who is a former that was player, my, name, my favorite part, former coach, that was my favorite part. It's it was great. But even before that, he's been going back and forth with Minnesota Gophers fans who are trying to troll him on Twitter, uh, giving them some sick burns. That's a sick, That's burn. A sick burn. But he was going after Dan Dockich for essentially. You know, doing what Dan, listen, Dan Dockich, if you don't know this guy, he's a player, coach, commentator on uh, ESPN for a long time. I think he's doing radio now. This guy's a clown. I mean, put a red nose on him. He's a clown. And he he loves just, he's like, um, he's basically, he's of that Skip Bayless school. Well, he's perfect for ESPN, right? Because they want a guy who's going to get there and just run his mouth. Just controversy. Right. And so he's just a hot take artist. And he just got under Frank Kaminsky's skin, and and they just went back and forth on Twitter. And uh, Frank was not he was not letting it go. That's the thing. He kept saying, "I'm going to log off," <laughs> and then he would get back on and have like six more tweets about essentially players getting paid uh, for or or not being compensated. Frank was right. essentially his argument was. I don't. I didn't want to be paid in school, and I don't think, or I don't know if he thinks players should be paid or not. But he was like, my argument is not for being paid by the school. It's just allow me to make money off of my name and my fame. It's my name, my fame. Allow me to make money off of it. And Dockich was not hearing any of it. Yeah. How about be able to accept a meal from like a former player when they, you know, when you got to eat? There's a little, all the stupid stuff the NCAA doesn't allow, right? I mean, just talking against that. Uh, being able to profit, not profit exactly, but yeah, uh, be compensated for use of his likeness and the use of his image. Um, just like the NCAA was throwing up pictures of, you know, all its Carolina players after that game last night, literally two seconds after that game was over using those images to sell shirts and hats and whatever else. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a age old discussion and argument, but I thought Frank handled himself pretty well, actually. I think it's amazing when guys like Dockett who have been in the system, Mm-hmm. Uh, they but they are now out of the system, and the vast the vast majority of people on the outside of that system who don't have to defend that system of the NCAA and the uh, the the bias and the, the all of the unfairness that that goes into that system have you know it's almost unanimous that it, it's uh, unless you are part of the NCAA that that system is needs change. But it's amazing to me when guys like Dockage come out and just. You absolutely cape for it. 
It's amazing. And he's and like, he's what's, been in what's it. The he's game? been around it. I don't know. He's been in it. He's been around it. He like he coaches AAU, I think. I mean, he's certainly around the game. He played for Bobby Knight, you know, his claim to fame is shutting down Michael Jordan in his last game. But the difference was I think that Frank got to was, you know, clearly I don't think Dan Dockich had the opportunity to be compensated for the use of his likeness. I don't think his play was of the stature of certainly where Frank's was uh in his latter years in college. And that's what Frank and, would argue. Yeah, and it was just a different time too. I mean, the money that was being thrown around when Dockage was there um, was different, and like I said, I don't think the opportunities were the same as they were for Frank. So, interesting debate. Uh, Frank usually is a pretty entertaining Twitter follow too. So, um, that was just a little sidebar, but it was it was interesting. It was one of the little uh, under the radar themes of last night. Yeah, the Hornet <clears throat> the Hornets are going to need Frank Kaminsky to be that aggressive. Yeah. Uh, off the bench against the Wizards because uh, the Wizards' starting lineup of Wall, Beal, Porter, Morris, and Gortat features the league's second best point differential at plus 245. I mean, that, that uh, starting unit is scorching other starting units. So uh, the Hornets bench has been averaging 48.7 points on 59.5 from the field and 52.6% from beyond the arc. Uh, that's a 12.2 increase from their season bench scoring average of 36.5 points per game. So they've got to continue that trend. Not only Frank, but Marco. Uh, we talked about on Monday, we talked about Lamb uh, delivering in limited minutes. Guys are going to have to do that again because I see you know, this starting unit is going to play a lot of minutes in these last five games. Yeah, man. And when you look at the Wizards, um, I keep coming back to Bradley Beal and how he, how awesome he's been this year, really. I mean, Everyone knows about John Wall and Otto Porter, too. But for me, Beal is a difference maker there. He's been able to stay healthy, play 73 games, I think, which is huge for him. He's kind of the offensive version of Michael K. Gilchrist for the Wizards. And when he's played, he's been he's been awesome. I mean, he, he didn't make an all-star team, and I think maybe he got started a little bit late, but he certainly was in the conversation and had somewhat of an argument. But uh, he is very, very good. <laughs> and when he's healthy, he gives that backcourt. Just It's one of the best backcourts in the league. Hey, real quick announcement. We have two tickets to give away to Hornets Heat when the Hornets come back home on Wednesday to face off against the Miami Heat. And if, you know, I'm just saying, could be. Yeah, and, and as I said on Monday, it, even if the Hornets drop one, they're, they're, they're not out of it. So this Hornets, this Hornets Heat game, yeah, uh, the Eastern Conference is a mess right now. So this Hornets Heat game has a lot of implications regardless of what happens tonight. And we've got two tickets to give away. Just head on over to Instagram. Give us a follow at Locked on Hornets and like the giveaway post. It's our latest post there on at Locked on Hornets. And then make sure you tune in tomorrow to find out if you have uh, won those two tickets. That's all the time we have for this edition of Locked on Hornets. Visit us online, LockedOnHornets.com. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. That's how hardcore Hornets fans find out about us. Send us your questions, your thoughts on the Hornets to BuzzBuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back tomorrow with a recap of this game and a preview of the game against the Miami Heat. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Wizards. Let's warm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Napa know-how. 
takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17